The Last Word with Matt Cooper. With Dr. Brian Higgins, GP with Galway Primary Care with us. But first, Priscilla Lynch, clinical editor of the Medical Independent. Are our children's hospitals, are the children's wings of our general hospitals in danger of being overwhelmed by the number of children they have to treat at present? Well, children and adults, uh, the HSC has come out um, to say that this week they're urging anybody who's eligible for vaccination against the flu and COVID-19 in particular to come forward for vaccination. In the last week or so, we've heard that the children's hospitals in particular have been seeing increased levels of RSV among young children and uh, they have warned parents just to bring their children um, to the hospital if they feel that they really need it and, but, and to be aware of the symptoms and to keep children at home who are unwell and who do have symptoms like coughs, colds, uh, runny noses and whatnot to try and get it under control. We had a very bad RSV um, winter last year and it looks like we're going that way as well this year and there's concern really as well that the vaccination uptake for the winter vaccines is much lower than it should be at this particular time of the year. Is it the case that we have over 100 infants under the age of one in hospital with RSV? Is that unusual? At this time of the year, it wouldn't necessarily be unusual. This is the, the kind of the winter peak we see, or if he comes from around October to April, the season does seem to be a bit longer, and it's been more severe in the last couple of years post-COVID, and there is a kind of COVID hangover, as they've said, with RSV seems to be stronger and among uh, more children than normal. So we are seeing a lot of these cases again, and of those winter illnesses that you would typically see, so a lot of them among children that are in creches or in school, and then we see the knock-on effect for the children. For most children with RSV, it's a mild self-limiting illness, but then for the percentage of those who get it more serious, it can lead to bronchiolitis and uh, pneumonia, and then they need to be hospitalised. So okay, well let me bring in Dr Brian Higgins from Galway Primary Care on that. What exactly is RSV and how does it differ from other childhood illnesses? Um, RSV is respiratory syncytial virus and it's spread through droplets so as kids sneeze and cough they blow it around onto one another and onto adults. And it's the best way to think of it is it's a very nasty respiratory virus. So it, when you breathe it in, it causes a lot of inflammation in the airway, in the upper airway, but most importantly in the lungs. And as you can imagine, small babies have very small airways. And when those airways get inflamed, they get narrowed. So the children are less able to move air. So effectively, the lungs reduce their capacity so it's more it's harder for the children to breathe now with older kiddies above six months over a year they'll get a bit sick they'll have a nasty cough unlike a normal viral cold where you'll be sick for about three days and then get better kids with us RSV will really be sick for five days before they get better and they can be coughing for weeks afterwards but for your very young children what can happen is the level of inflammation in the lung can impede their ability to breathe so much that they struggle to oxygenate so they need to be brought into the hospital for supplemental oxygen and unfortunately it's not something that we have treatment for other than helping smaller children to breathe it is something that when kids are supported they tend to make a full recovery but when they do get sick with it it's quite scary yeah and how bad does it have to be to end up in hospital if you're looking at a child who has RSV, and there's a lot of them in the country at the minute, um, if they're not able to take oral fluids so if they're getting dehydrated if they're wetting less than three nappies a day that's a sign they're getting dehydrated. Um, if they're taking less than half their normal volume, that's a sign that they're struggling to keep up with their intake. Or if they're using what we call their accessory breathing muscles, if it looks like they're really struggling to get air in, so if their nostrils are flaring or the, the muscles underneath the ribs are, are, are sucking in, we'd say they're in respiratory distress and just bring them to the hospital. A lot of the time they'll be observed 
and we'll try to give them fluids and see how they get on and they might be discharged with some advice. Um, but when necessary or we're worried about the children, they'll be admitted to the, the paediatric units, which are really struggling with the volume of kids they're seeing at the minute. Okay, so but as it's a virus, is there any medicine that you can actually give for it? Is there a vaccine to try and prevent it? For RSV, there isn't. Now, for flu, which does get kids very sick as well, and flu gets kids and adults of all ages very sick, we do have a very effective vaccine for that. But unfortunately, for RSV, we don't. Because the listener wants to know if I could ask if a steamer in the room with a child would help or hinder that child with RSV? Uh, they're a myth they don't help with RSV anything that helps calm the child down because if you if you've ever had a panic attack uh, and that feeling of not being able to breathe it's very scary and what happens is when we get distressed or agitated we breathe faster and if you can imagine a child with RSV it's almost like they're breathing through a straw so if they get distressed they're going to notice that lack of lung function even more so anything that keeps the child calm is very very helpful and the best way to keep child calm is to keep the parent calm I always find and sometimes parents kind of feel a bit calmer if they're doing steam or they've something some way that can help um, but they don't, it doesn't really make any difference Listener here says my daughter has ended up in hospital with bronchi- bronchiolitis croup and pneumonia in the last two <sighs> years first time she was under one month she's unwell again this year croup and wheezy breathing but thankfully no hospital yet and this <sighs> is the interesting question Brian I want to get her the flu vaccine does she need to be completely well to get the vaccine such as having no cold or cough I think anyone who has a toddler knows they're rarely if ever completely well they'll always be coughing or sniffling from probably from I would say Halloween to Easter they're always a little bit sick Um, when it comes to any of these viruses kids tend to be quite sick for a few days and then they recover but they can have a lingering sniffle or a lingering mild cough but are otherwise well so if you're waiting for your child to not have a cough or not have a runny nose you're going to be waiting for a very long time if your child is not unwell. So if they don't have a very high fever, they're in good form, they're eating well and they're drinking well, I would be very happy to give the vaccine. But if they're sick, if they have high temperatures, they're lethargic, they're off their food, just wait until they're a little bit better, but they don't have to be completely better. And what about older children? Because another listener here, Orla, says my 13-year-old daughter had RSV last year and has now been recently diagnosed with asthma. It is a very severe illness. She's now on two inhalers. So can RSV develop into something like asthma? No, I, I think asthma is something that we have and it's a very common condition in Ireland. And you can have asthma is a an inflammatory condition in the lungs and what viruses do like RSV is they cause inflammation in the lungs so children with underlying asthma will get sicker when they get these illnesses and some um, kids uh, will have what we call viral induced asthma it's really the viruses that make their make them very sympathetic okay. uh, like would give their symptoms but it wouldn't cause asthma as such. Let me go back to Priscilla Lynch clinical editor of the Medical Independent tell us a little bit more please about the level of take up of both the flu vaccine and the COVID-19 vaccines uh, Well it's been fairly low um, of November 1st they only had 11.5% of HSC employed uh, healthcare workers had taken their COVID-19 uh, autumn booster and uh, under 25% had had the flu vaccine and about half of people aged 70 um, and 18% of those aged 50 to 69 uh, had their COVID-19 uh, autumn booster as well up to the 12th of November and only 10% of people who were immunocompromised had the COVID uh, uh 
booster as well. And then only about uh, just under 60% of people aged 65 and older um, would have had the flu vaccine. Uh, under 10% of children aged 2 to 12 who are eligible to get it free. And 18% of those then, 50 to 64, who would be eligible because of being immunocompromised have had the flu vaccine. So if you look at those numbers, they're quite low, particularly compared to what we would have had in the first uh, season or two after COVID. Uh, um, you know, when we, they were afraid that there would be a big um, flu season, but that didn't necessarily come to pass. But because it's been a lot of cases in the Southern Hemisphere this year, they are afraid that we are going to get a severe flu season and that we really do need to increase our vaccination levels. And just one quick thing there, just about RSV vaccination. There wasn't really much you could do about RSV to prevent it uh, up to now. There was prophylaxis available. But just this year now, um, and there's been new developments there. So there's actually two vaccines for older adults who can also be impacted by it. And there's also two treatments for infants. One is a maternal vaccine so that um, a pregnant mother can take the RSV vaccine and the antibodies can be passed on to the baby. And then there's also um, a treatment for infants as well, a prophylaxis as well, that can be given to young infants uh, to try and prevent RSV. So those are new developments. And the National Immunisation Advisory Committee has advised that um, Ireland should consider that we should give those vaccinations to um, eligible people, so those over 65 and to infants as well. So that should hopefully be a change that's coming and those would be available privately up until they would be funded by the HSE. Dr. Brian Higgins, what do you put the low vaccination rates down to? Is it complacency? Is it distrust? Is it a belief now that COVID and the flu aren't necessarily as serious as we might have feared a couple of years ago? Yeah, I think complacency is part of it. Complacency and perceived risks. I think a lot of us don't want to think about illness until we get ill. And I think we just have to start looking at vaccines like we, the way we look at seatbelts. It's something we have in case we need them. And when we do need them, we're glad we've had them. Um, I think access is probably an issue. I think a lot of people are struggling to get um, access or they think that their GPs might be very busy. Uh, but thankfully, most GPs um, do have fantastic practice nurses who are able to deliver vaccine programs for them. So I would encourage people just to ring their GP to ask specifically about vaccinations. Um, and then, of course, there's always misinformation and, and lack of trust. And there is a lot of misinformation about. But I think if you're not sure the next time you're talking to your doctor, just ask them about the vaccine. They should be able to um, build your confidence around them. OK, we leave it there. Thank you very much, Dr. Brian Higgins, GP at Galway Primary Care, and Priscilla Lynch, Clinical Editor of the Medical Independent. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.